census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you are listening to The Dorkening. Hi, I'm Brian Johnson, and although you probably accidentally stumbled across it and have no idea why you're watching it, you are in fact watching The Dorkening. Hello, this is Tom Kenny, voice actor, uh, the voice of the Ice King on Adventure Time, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, Gary the Snail, too. Hey, guess what you're filling your eye holes and ear holes with? The Dorkening! Oh, I love the dorkening. Very popular in Ooh. And Bikini Bottom. Hi, I'm Lou Ferrigno. You're watching the dorkening. And you know what? You don't like me when I get angry, so don't get me angry. You better keep watching the dorkening. Hey, guys, this is Felissa Rose, and you're watching the dorkening. Hey, guys, it's Courtney Palm. We're shooting Death House, and you're watching the dorkening. This is Anthony Michael Hall, and you're watching the dorkening. Stay tuned, my friend's going to show you what entertainment's all about, baby. The Dorkening. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second take of episode 310 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast, the podcast that wastes nearly an hour forgetting to hit record before they go on the air. I'm your host, Patrick Rayholm. You can call me Patsy, the forgetting to hit the record button nerd. <laughs> And uh, we are here brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the D Dorkening Podcast Network uh, in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor. And I am, of course, not by myself. I am joined by my co-host on the show, who's partially her fault that we didn't hit record because she didn't say anything to me. Uh, so I'm going to blame it all on her. Wait a minute. How am I supposed to know? I don't do the button things. I don't do the doop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doo that you do. The doop -a -doo I that just, I do. Yeah, I don't do the doop -a doo that you do. I sit here. Oh. I look cute. I say things. I entertain the people. Do not blame me. I'm gonna blame you because it's not my fault. It's everyone else. Uh, yeah. The what is there was a lady that I, I used to work at a nursing home, and she used to always say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You're the one that's right. The world's wrong. And then she used to tell me to shit in my hat and pull it down over my ears uh i was 16 oh she sounds pleasant <laughs> but as you can tell i am joined by my co-host on the show my co-host in life she is the baroness of bordeaux the countess of cabernet the mistress of merlot the queen regent of rosé the princess of prosecco the vice viscount of vignoles uh i don't know if vice or I, we always talk about vice or viscount uh she is the michael phelps of wine the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. It's Ashes One Nightmare. I have this sudden feeling of deja vu. Yeah. Like we've done this before. We did. We just spent uh, almost... Was it a dream? 
I, is this real life? It was a fun nightmare. It was a fun nightmare. Oh, so we're going to pretend like we're doing all of this for the first time. Uh, there will come to a point where we are doing it for the first time. But until then, just pretend like... I mean, it's their first time. Yeah, it's your first time hearing it. So, you know, if I didn't say anything, you wouldn't know. Uh, but we are joined this evening by a very special guest. Uh she is a uh, 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 an aspiring video game designer and uh, crime scene investigator, uh, a published writer, and uh, she is named for the Tree of the Sun from Tolkien's uh, Legendarium. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show for the second time this evening, uh, Miss Laurelyn. Laurelyn, how are you today? I'd say I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I think I think you are. You've been doing very well, and I wish some of the people could have heard you. But uh, like we were told, uh, it was just rehearsal. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it was re rehearsal. Now, the second verse, same as the first. So let's uh, you know kind of get back into my my funny joke opening that won't have the same punch because everyone's already heard it. But uh, you were. Uh, sent our way uh this arranged this interview was arranged by uh our good friend and friend of the show colleen everyone uh who is a regular participant of the show colleen the warrior queen yes uh she uh is a frequent contributor to the facebook group and uh watches most of the live stuff either while it's live or comes back and, and comments a lot on it which you know we love her for uh and as I mentioned the first time we did this, uh, you and uh, Colleen go back a long way, uh, almost uh, almost two decades getting up there. Uh, and how? Uh, tell the folks at home how the two of you met. Well, she was just kind of there when I spawned in. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> you are, in fact, the oldest uh, of uh, Colleen's uh, tribe. And uh, as such, you also uh, you were the first one with the nerd with the nerd name, and so she kind of just you know stuck with that theme, which uh, I think is a true testament to uh, her her nerdy nature, and I think that's great. So, I, I believe that's raising your children right. Yes, like if you're you know it's like oh where did my name come from? It's like here read these seventy five books. Uh, there's 600 pages that just describe a tree. So, and that tree is you. <laughs> so, as we did earlier, uh, again, I'm going to stop repeating the fact that we've done this already. But uh, we introduced you to our getting into character questions. And so I'm going to have to come up with a new one because what we we generally just come up with these on the spot. We don't prepare for these. So um, it's a nice way for the folks at home to kind of get to know a little bit about you. Although I will ask you one of the same questions because I thought it was a great answer. So let's start off with, with that one. Uh, if traveling and the, the use of a vehicle was uh, not an issue whatsoever, would you rather explore space or would you rather explore the depths of the ocean? Fun fact, we know more about space than we do our own ocean. 
as it makes up around 71% of the Earth, we've only explored about 5% of it. Uh, there could be kaiju-esque creatures lurking down there, or, you know, threats that we don't know of. So I would have to say uh, we should explore the deep sea, figure out what's on our own planet before we go off and investigating others. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I completely agree. Try I and mean, fix what's wrong here. Well, I mean, not only that, there are plenty of films like, you know, exploring the depths of the ocean, the unknown, like The Abyss. Titanic. Is one of my, yeah, I mean, technically, yeah. Um, or uh, what was that one with Kristen Stewart that was surprisingly good? Underwater. Underwater. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, the uh, working title for or, Titanic. Even um, The Meg. The Meg. Um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um yeah, like there's a lot of a lot of good uh, water exploration, uh, water world, which was very good. If you've never seen that, Kevin Costner and uh, a young, what the hell is that girl's name? I'll have to look her up. Not Myra Wilson, but like somebody in that range. But uh, go ahead, you have a question to ask. I do. So, if you could visit any animated universe just visit which animated universe would you pick uh well the one that comes to mind uh would probably be you know uh, the show of adventure time because the land of Ooh is full of many mysteries and vastly different species which would you know be pretty fun to you know learn more about and get more in depth with uh, how this world works you could play video games with BMO. You can have Jake the dog make you bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and you put it in a pancake. So funny story. Um, once upon a time in the lab that I worked at, we used to have fun. And sometimes for fun, we would put these, uh, you know, like the YouTube videos on loop, like the obnoxious songs. So like the 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 He-Man doing the um, Ford yeah. on Blondes thing. Well, there's one, there's like a 10 hour cut of Jake the dog singing the making bacon pancake song. So I put that on one day and the whole thing was we would put it on in our lab and we would see how long it would take for somebody from some other lab to come shut it off like for somebody else to get sick of it and i think that one clocked in at four hours it took four hours for somebody to realize that we were listening to the same song on loop and it's one of those things where you like it and then you start to hate it and then you're like why am i torturing myself what am i doing with my life and then you start to like it again and then you love it and then you're singing along again so yeah i i, I want to say it was around four four and a half hours on that one before somebody came and was like you guys are ridiculous and shut it off but it's fair yeah it wouldn't take me four hours um it so, would take you five it would take me like <laughs> zero um so our final question for your getting into character questions. Uh, which apocalypse do you think you would be best suited to survive? Uh, robots, aliens, zombies, or giant monsters? Hmm. Well, it really depends on what type of zombies we're talking about. If we're talking about normal corpses without any sort of regenerative abilities, they would decompose within like a week being unable to move and eventually, you know, just die out and rot in the streets. So that would be easy to survive, just hide in your house for a little while. 
but if we're talking more uh, immortal-esque zombies, then I probably wouldn't survive very long within that universe. Uh, well, but there are some survival tips for that. Here's the thing about if we've learned anything in the past, say, three years, that if there's a just throwing it out there, some sort of viral outbreak and people on the news are like, don't go outside. It could be deadly. The first thing half of the population would do is say, you're not the boss of me and go outside and get infected. And then, you know, those are the people who wouldn't say that they got infected. They just come inside and inject ivermectin and figure that would cure them and then spread the disease inside where everybody else is. So, you know, that's just a hypothetical, like that would never happen, you know, because ivermectin is a horse medicine. But uh, just saying, um, that's just one possibility. So that like, and we did learn from 28 days later that it takes 28 days for uh with no food for a zombie to you know kind of decompose so i challenge your 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 one week decomposition i mean personally i would just move to a colder environment and deal with it there because you know they're not going to do well in a cold environment. Those very few zombies wear jackets. What are they going to do? Freeze to death? Not freeze to <laughs> death, but freeze in place. And if they're frozen, they can't get you, and you can get them very easily. That's why you never see zombie movies taking place in the snow, with the exception of Dead Snow and Dead Snow Two. But. Those weren't regular zombies. Those were Nazi zombies. So, so Lorlin, you have uh, successfully completed uh, for the second time uh, the getting into character question. So we're going to take a quick 31-second break uh, to hear a zombie talk about coffee. And when we come back, we will be exploring the reason that Lorlin is on this show today. So hang with us, and we'll be right back. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the work. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right, so, Laurelyn, please tell folks at home what you are here uh, today to accomplish. So, for, for my English class, we have to interview, like, 30 to 40 minute, you know, audio recording of, you know, interviewing someone who has interesting stories to tell to be recorded uh, in a database. So I have you know, sought out the help of the lovely Patsy and Ashes here. Uh, so I will be interviewing them today. And we appreciate it that someone thinks that we're interesting. And hopefully we can do a good interview for you. 
All right. So let's start off with the question, shall we? Absolutely. So let's see. Let's start with some smaller questions. If you had to describe yourself as a specific drink, what would your drink or flavor be? Oh, I know what you would be. <laughs> Wine. Yeah. To, well, to be to be more specific, I Merlot. would be a medium-bodied, rich Merlot. Wait, you're rich? I mean, I pretend to be. <laughs> <laughs> Very sophisticated. I am bougie. It's an attitude. Um, I would also describe you as jammy. I am very jammy. Um, <laughs> I am in my jammies right now. That's her favorite way to describe, like, favorite descriptor of any wine. It's like, and it's a, it is jammy. an actual district. Like, they will use that Sommeliers. word jammy as a descriptive word. And I just think it's so funny. It brings me so much joy when they're like, oh, it's very jammy. <laughs> like, <"Hey>, jammy. <laughs> For me, um, I would probably probably be some sort of like mixed cocktail because there's a, a lot of different. You wouldn't be shark juice. Well, I would be thinking like if you've seen they they sometimes pass this commercial around online uh, during Shark Week where they take these various uh, liquors and then some blue curacao and then they take a little shark like a little rubber shark and they pour grenadine in it and then they take the shark and dump it into the the drink with the blue curacao and so it's like blood in the water uh because i am very much a shark enthusiast uh, i have multiple stickers on my car about you know uh respecting the locals and support shark research and uh i'm an advocate of the uh atlantic white shark conservancy on the cape uh, in East Ham, East Ham or Wellfleet, I forget. Um, but right there on, on Route 6, like we're big proponents of uh, sharks being a very important part of the ecosystem. So uh, I would be some sort of a shark based cocktail, I think. So the two of you are an iconic deal and with such a, and are such a wonderful example of a healthy partnership. Uh, how did you two meet? So we met way back in the day on a uh, website called OK Cupid, or as I used to call it, OK Stupid, because I thought online dating was the stupidest idea ever. And I was really only doing it because I was bored. Like I had no intention to actually really like meet anybody off of there. It was just kind of a way to kill time i guess right yeah that's the uh the dating equivalent of i was just looking that looking at that magazine for the articles yes i was just a window show window shopping mm -hmm. which is a window shopping um yeah that was back in 2009 so i had i was just scrolling through profiles and i came across this one and I thought the profile picture was real. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a rather handsome looking man. Um, <laughs> fooled you. I know, right? Joke on me. Uh, and I read his profile and there was something so refreshingly honest about it. Um, 
you know, a lot of people were there for a plethora of different things, you know, and some people were like clearly like me not taking it seriously. Although I think I, my profile was pretty well written. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was pretty witty. Uh, I thought so. But yeah, but like there was something so honest and real and pure and nice about what he had to say. Um, and a lot of our interests overlap too. Like he was into horror movies and he liked reading books. And I was like, wow, a guy who reads books, you know, you don't, you don't get many of those these days. No. Um, so I said, ah, what the heck? And I, I, I shot him a message on the website. And so it's your fault. I and I get to live with that every yes, day. You yes, get to. I get to. You get to. Um, and he responded, and the back and forth on the website turned into AOL conversations over AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, you'll find that in a museum next to MySpace. Um, back in the day where we had emo lyrics as our away messages, you know? An away but, message was kind of like a, a voicemail, which is kind of like if someone, like the, uh, the auto texts when someone texts you and you're driving and like a message comes up like sorry i can't talk right now i'm driving that's what an away message was but it was on your computer which weighed 650 pounds uh and the monitor that was three feet deep but had like a 12 inch screen um and the internet would get uh interrupted if someone tried to make a phone call uh you couldn't do both at the same time oh my god dial up Oh, yeah, dial-up like internet. And the, the, the screeching, like, sound. It sounded like a robot. I hope you don't to... have to translate this to, uh, like, pen on paper, because try translating to, like, words. The letters. And then she said that it made the most obnoxious noise in the world. It was like a robot fighting a lawnmower. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, and then... It, it, aim turned into phone calls i think our, our first phone call was five hours we were on the phone for five hours our second yep. phone call we were on the phone for nine hours we i had to charge my phone twice uh and i we didn't get off the phone till like five in the morning um and that's when i knew and this was before we had even met mm -hmm. in person and that's when i knew um because i mean the conversation just flew uh flowed flowed yeah flowed that's a word um it just flowed it was effortless it was really just effortless um and it still is you know yeah. we, we've been talking every day ever since so and it's you know there is a you know like what she was saying about like what my profile was because i always believed that if you are interested in like having a relationship and getting to know someone and having that person be an intimate part of your life um it's best to be honest and upfront with you know what it is you're looking for what it is that you are uh all about like what you like what you don't like um and a lot of folks are under the impression that if they're in a relationship, they have to like everything that the other person likes. We got engaged uh, 
just a few months later on April 21st, 2010. And we met September 13th, 2009. We moved, we, and then we moved in in May of 2010. So we got engaged just a few weeks before we moved in and only a few months after we started dating, because we just knew, like I came home from the first time I met her and told my parents that I met the girl I was going to marry. And I told her about that a few days later, because again, honest and upfront. And she responded by telling me her ring size. Now, we got our first place together. And when we were looking at places, I said, uh, and this kind of sums up our relationship in a nutshell, I said, we need to have to a two bedroom place because I need to have my own man room. And she said, yeah, I need a place to send you when I don't want to see you. And I said, yeah, I need a place to be sent when I don't want to be seen. And part of that is, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're joking about that, but we, you know, we've had arguments and stuff where, you know, it's like, you know what, I'm going to go in my room, you go out there. And, but we also have our own specific interests and things that we want to pursue. Like she watches movies and shows that I don't care for. I watch movies and shows that she doesn't care for, but because we have two separate spaces in which to do it, it makes things a lot easier. You know, obviously we compromise a lot. Um, well, we also have a lot of shared, like a right. lot of our interests, especially just initially overlapped. And, you know, being together for as long as we've been, we've had the opportunity to learn new things and develop interests together. Yeah. I mean, when we first met, you were 23 years old. You know, and I was 28. I will be 42 in a few days, and you just turned 37 a few months ago. Yet I haven't aged a day. No, it's all the wine preserving you. <laughs> um, so, like, there's that's kind of like where the back and forth is. Like, there was a lot of work that needed to be done at the beginning of the relationship. Like a lot of uh, a lot of issues that we had to kind of overcome because neither one of us had really been in a long-term relationship. You, because you were so young and me, because nobody else liked me. So, <laughs> uh, and again, I understand that I'm not easy to live with, but you know, we had a lot of like weird idiosyncra idiosyncratic things that we had to kind of like manage. And we both sort of, we didn't like change who we were, but we evolved our behavior because it's like, wow, no one ever really told me that, you know, this is something that, you know, I need to work on. And because we both were interested in, you know, putting the work in, it got us to where we are today. I think that... About two hours later, there's the answer to your question. <laughs> Short story long, we met online. Next, <laughs> all right. So, where do you two see yourself in like five to ten years? Five to ten years, famous, uh, yeah, or infamous. No, but here's um, and this is what I hope, uh, creatively fulfilled. Yes. Um, Either in the process of working towards that 
or having accomplished it already and working on the next project? My goal is to, uh, because I work in film, um, you know, move up from, you know, production assistant into, you know, the Directors Guild of America. Like I have some time that I need to put in, you know, I've only been doing this a year and a half. It'll be, it'll be two years in September that I've been in the film industry and I've been working since 1995. So I, you know, finally found something that is an actual fulfilling career where creativity is rewarded. Um, you know, thinking outside the box is rewarded. So, you know, this, this uh, trajectory that I'm on, you know, luckily I've met some people who want to help me along that journey because that's a lot of it. You know, when you're working for, you know, a company, they just want you to work and work and work and work and work and make them money with the entertainment industry. It's all about, you know, I got this opportunity because someone saw something in me and I see something in you. So I want to give you this opportunity you know, and see what you can do in this role. And if this role isn't right for you, we're going to give you another role, you know, like we're going to try you out in a bunch of different spots. We're not going to try and cram you into a box, but we're going to find what you're good at. And so far I found a couple of things that I'm good at um, and certain things allow me to learn more, but yeah, like I, you know, I get inspired by some of the people that I work with um, and work for and you know, my goal, you know, I, I set this goal as a kid and I was like, I, it's probably a stupid thing to think of, but like, I really want to win an Oscar. And now there's, I've worked with four, three people who have four Oscars between them. Um, and people who have been nominated multiple times. So this is, I'm closer to my goal than I ever was but it's not something that defines me. Like I, you know, if I never win an Oscar, but I'm able to pursue my passion of creativity, that's all that that's important. And I'm, I'm on that trajectory. Like I can, I, I can do something. Like if I want to make a movie, I have folks who will help me and folks who want to work with me to achieve that goal. I have a lot of, um, so when I was, when I was younger, I was really creative uh, always doing something, making something. Um, and I love to entertain, whether it be singing, dancing, acting. I would put on plays for my parents. I would write them. I would perform them. You know, Ash is the one girl play. Um, my parents, God bless them, they, uh, they really went through it with me. <laughs> um, but uh, I kind of, I don't know, lost some of that as uh, an adult um i don't know when it happens but there's a time when you or a certain point where people stop asking you what you want to be when you grow up they stop asking you what your goals are what you like to do what your hobbies are um and i've been kind of reevaluating things over the past couple of years and the pandemic really kind of put some of that into perspective um the importance of entertainment the importance of 
people who do things to bring joy to other people, people who create things to bring joy to other people. And there are so many things that I've wanted to do, but never thought it was an op, uh, never thought it was an option. Um, whereas now seeing everything in front of me, I see, oh, maybe I can do that. Maybe I, you know, still keep my day job, you know, still do the adulting, still do all the responsibilities and stuff, but maybe I can achieve, you know, this, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can, you know, all of these, these projects that just, you know, seem like, oh, it would be nice if I could do this. Well, maybe I can. So now I'm in the process of trying to put some of those projects, uh, you know, kind of, wish them into fruition. You know, I'm manifesting a lot out into the universe right now, trying to put things into place. So I'm hoping, you know, five to 10 years from now to have seen some of those things come to fruition. And, you know, if it's not successful, then, hey, at least I tried. But, you know, if it is successful, then, you know, that that's something that I did, you know, but I think that a lot of people as adults, you know, think that any success that they have has to be career related or family related. You know, like I, I had children, I, you know, got a promotion and there's so much more to it. There's so much more to it, you know, get, have hobbies, you know, figure out well, like I, I used to, like I said, I used to love to entertain. I used to love to do all of this stuff. And now I'm kind of, um, I've kind of reinvigorated that love. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I can have the opportunity to, to share it. Well, those are, that was an amazing story. And you're very inspiring with your dreams and whatnot. Um, you ready for the next question? Yeah. Yes. All right, then. What is your favorite and least favorite celebrity interaction? So my least favorite, again, because I work in the industry, I can't really mention names. Uh, I don't want to mention anybody's name, but I was at a convention. And because I didn't want to spend money, I just really wanted to meet someone uh, from you know, from film that I, you know, I was a huge fan of and I, I'd seen it so many different things and I was really excited and they just couldn't care less um, and just ignored me and kind of went on their phone. I just wanted, I just wanted to go up and meet them and be say, you know, oh, you know, I'm such a fan. I loved you in X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and they just couldn't care less because I wasn't spending money. Um, but my best, <clears throat> so the best, uh, interaction I ever had with a celebrity, um, and I've told the story many, many times. It's actually, uh, a year ago, this month, this past Monday, March 27th. So I worked on a film last year called the holdovers, um, which stars Paul Giamatti, who I'm such a huge fan, like, Anything that this guy is in, I will watch. He's excellent in everything. He is. I don't care if he's, you know, Einstein uh, in a in a in a Verizon commercial, or you know, he's playing the Rhino at the end of the Amazing Spider-Man Two, or he's in uh, an M Night Shyamalan movie. 
doesn't matter. Like the guy's awesome. And I got a chance. I spoke with him almost every day, even if it was just a, you know, good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Um, but we chat, we chatted a bunch of times about a bunch of different things. And so, uh, at one point we, uh, we moved the entire shoot across the state, uh, 90 miles, uh, West. And so I was away for two weeks cause you're not going to drive back and forth every day, 90 miles one way. And during that time, uh, my dad got diagnosed with uh, stage three bladder cancer. And I didn't find out till I came back from that. And March 27th was the last day of filming. And I had, uh, you know, I knew my dad was a huge fan of Paul Giamatti. Like he loved him in uh, uh, John Adams, uh, the show that the, the, the mini series and the, uh, the show billions really liked him. And so when Paul came in that morning, I was like, hey, you know, feel free to say no to this. But my dad's a huge fan and he just got diagnosed with cancer. It would mean so much if you could just like record like a little like get well message for him. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, let me put my stuff down and then uh, I'll call you in. And he went into his trailer. He put his stuff down. He's like, yeah, come on in. Come on in. And he's like, what's your dad's name? And, you know, what's going on? And we're like, what are you doing? And, you know, he just took the whole rundown and he's like, all right. Let me know when you're ready. And he recorded a 30 second message. You know, we answered a couple of fan questions that my dad had about billions and uh, it was awesome. And, you know, throughout uh, my dad's uh, uh, chemo therapy and everything, when he was having a bad day, he would he would watch this video because uh, it really helped him. And uh, the movie comes out later this year. And unfortunately, my dad's not going to be able to see it because my dad passed away uh, five months ago, the end uh, five months ago today uh, on October 29th. So, um, you know, when I'm sitting there, it's like it's going to be there with me because of this. Uh, you know, when I see Paul, it's going to remind me of this nice thing that he did for my dad that he didn't have to do. Uh, he didn't have to take this time but he did and it meant so much to to everybody in the family so that's probably uh my favorite interaction so i think my my least favorite interaction probably has to be a few years ago we were at a convention we had a booth for the podcast and i was manning it patrick was out somewhere doing something um and Billy Zane walks by and he just kind of looks at me in some type of way and then kind of kind of gives me the finger guns and says like a like a eh kind of thing. And I'm just like, what? Excuse me? Like, dude, you're wearing an ascot. OK, like, don't don't take your finger guns and keep on walking. I, I don't I don't. Yeah. Um apparently people had uh rather unpleasant interactions with him at the convention too but uh but yeah it was just it was just weird it was a really weird look and i wish i could describe it better but uh but it was just it was the it was finger guns it was just i'm like eh, okay um and my favorite oh, i think my favorite interaction would have to be 
a couple years ago at Rhode Island Comic Con, I purchased a photo op with Tim Curry. And when you're doing these photo ops, you don't necessarily have a lot of time to spend with the celebrity, you know, just a couple of seconds. And I decided that I was going to, you know, I was talking myself up. I'm going to, I'm going to maximize those five seconds. I'm going to, I'm going to tell him what he means to me and tell him what his work means to me because, you know, Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter is one of my all-time favorite characters. I hold that character in high regard. Uh, that film that he's involved with just changed my life, seeing it for the first time, 13 years old, um, realizing that there's a whole world out there that I had no idea existed. Um, so I, I, I go in, I'm getting ready to have my picture taken with him. And he says, you know, what, what is your name? You know, and I, so I told him and he was like, oh, a beautiful name for a beautiful girl. And I was just so taken aback by his words. He is so charming and so charismatic. And I just, I could not stop grinning. I mean, full on cheese, ear to ear. And that's why those pictures have never seen the light of day is because it's just me and this stupid toothy grin sitting next to tim curry um i did have the opportunity you know i, I briefly stuck in like that your work means a lot to lot to me you know thank you for being you uh type of of you know mini spiel but uh yeah and then i walked away and i was shaking and i had tears in my eyes and i'm like this is the best moment of my life he's so amazing um but yeah i, I think that definitely has to be one of my favorite fan interactions because he's just he's such an icon and so unbelievably sweet and down to earth and just so charming yeah, yeah, you were you were pretty uh, you were pretty over the moon, like you just like. Well, you know, but it's one of those things where I never thought I would have the opportunity to do it. Oh yeah, I think the only person I would be more uh, taken aback with is if I ever had the opportunity to meet Julie Andrews. I don't know if I could contain myself. No, you probably couldn't. You you, you, you would, would probably have to physically restrain me. I would Julie probably Andrews. have to commit you. Yeah. <laughs> I would want her to like sing every single song from Mary Poppins, like in front of my face. She probably wouldn't. No, she probably wouldn't. But <laughs> you know, she she would probably very nicely ask whoever the, the the big security guard or whoever was with her to kindly escort me as far away as humanly possible. She might do that. Yeah. Hey, Julie Andrews, can I touch your hair? I would never. I would never do that. So, Patsy, you have an amazing anthology called How Much Do You Take an Exorcist? Do you plan on releasing any other written works? or? I'm currently working on a, uh, uh, a follow-up to that. Uh, and the working title, I've never told anyone, so this is brand new. And this is even, we didn't, we didn't discuss this prior, and you don't even know about this, but I'm thinking uh, I've written a couple of short stories. Um, but I'm thinking of doing a follow-up to it called Repossessed, um, where, you know, I've got, you know, some of the same style, but, uh, artists contributing to, uh, some of the stories. Uh, I do have a, a 
collection of short stories and flash fiction uh, that was published before that called Monsters in the Closet um, that wasn't nearly as uh, well-received because I self-published that, whereas this one was done by uh, Source Point Press and Oxi Media. So it was like the first time that someone saw what I was doing was like, you know what, we like this, so we're going to we're going to uh we're going to publish it. So that was really cool. Uh so thank you for your kind words and so hopefully I can uh get something out next year or so. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what made you, you know, decide to start making podcasts together and do you have any tip for tips for beginners? So, when I first came up with the idea of doing a podcast, uh Ashes was the first one I approached. Because uh, I had come up with this thing called Throwdown Thursday that I did every week where I would pit like a random uh, character against another random character that would never normally meet like Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones against, you know, Ray Skywalker in a in a sword fight. And I would just have people vote like there are, you know, like there's like the death battle channel and you know, stuff like that, where people, you know, they get really into the science and like the physical feats of the characters. And I was just like, yeah, who do you think wins in a fight? And I had done a couple of guest spots on podcasts and I was like, this is so much fun. And I can talk uh, and I want to talk about things that I like. And as far as I had known, like there were a lot of podcasts that reviewed movies and, you know, books and just talked about, you know, you know, true crime and things like that. But there was none of that. There were no, there was no show that I was aware of and still am not aware of that kind of delved into who the characters were uh, from the stories that we love, you know, the movies, the books, uh, real life. Uh, we've done a couple of episodes on, you know, historical figures like Harriet Tubman or Mr. Rogers, where you kind of compare, compare, compare and contrast, like, who they really were and, you know, give, you know, the, the actual historical accounts compared to how they're represented in pop culture or, you know, whatever movies or what have you that come out. Cause a lot of times people's lives are embellished or like the biopic that came out about Freddie Mercury, where like 90% of the stuff is made up, you know, like the character that my, uh, I think Mike Myers plays where he's like, you'll, you know, we're never going to play you on the radio. No one will ever play queen. Like that guy didn't exist. They were just made up for the movie to make the movie seem more interesting where I don't think you really needed to embellish Freddie Mercury's life to make it seem more interesting. But uh, initially Ash was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know if we want to do this. I was like, well, tell you what, come be a guest on the, on the podcast. Um, and you just fell in love with it. Yeah. So you had had a different co-host at the time. I was a guest for episodes three and four, and I never left. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> I was much just it. like, well, I live here now. Um, and unfortunately, a few years ago, um, our third co-host had to leave for you know personal reasons you know some people she got a hundred episodes in yeah yeah that's a lot um you know it is a it can be a big time commitment if you know depending on what type of show you want to do um you know and where we 
talk about different characters. I mean, we talk about characters who we know nothing about. Yep. You know, so we delve into a lot of history, reading comic books, re watching, you know, YouTube videos about all of these different characters, you know, watching other character breakdowns. Um, you know, Wikipedia. I mean, sometimes there are, you know, just a whole lot of Googling happening in this house. Um, so it can be a it can be a, a real big um, time commitment, and you know our, our co-host no longer had that kind of time to devote to it, which is understandable. So, um, and then it was just him and I, and we kind of evolved the show a little bit. Um, it's changed over time. I'm sure it's going to you know continue to change. I'm sure episode 500 is going to be completely different than you know episode 300. Um, we've gotten a lot better at it yep, I, would, <laughs> I, mean, a I lot would agree better. with that um you know but we still have some room for improvement and i think you know we still put out we put out episodes that we are really proud of and we put out episodes where we're like well, that's not our best stuff we got but, through uh, this week yeah yeah we we put out an episode this week um but yeah, I have to give all the credit to to Patsy because this was kind of his idea and uh, just something that started small and kind of spawned into something else. And, you know, at the time that we started this show, there weren't as many podcasts out there. Um, I mean, there was there were a lot, but there weren't as many. And now it feels like everybody has a podcast. Well, we started almost seven years ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we started in like 2016, June, June, July of 2016. And at the time we, you know, we've refined things. But if I were, if I were to give anyone advice on um, starting their own show, uh, consistency is key. So if you, whatever your schedule is going to be, um, just stick to it. So like if I'm going to do one episode a month, like I throw it on Thursday, our show comes out every Thursday. There have been times where, you know, I think we went around 280 episodes before we missed a week. Mm -hmm. um, but that was over five years. And it was just like, you know, health catches up to you, you know, personal life. Like we, you know, when my dad passed, we took four months off. Um, or it seemed like four months. We took, we took several months off. Um, you know, with my filming schedule, sometimes we're not always able to get uh, an episode out because I just don't have time to record during the week. Um, but consistency, just say, like, I'm going to record, you know, whatever each week. It doesn't matter what you talk about. I have two shows that I do. Uh, I have, you know, obviously this one, Throw Down Thursday, but I also have a, a show called Shark Bites for anything that you know, doesn't necessarily fit into the purview of Throwdown Thursday. And we'll talk about anything on that show. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, the biggest thing to get started, and this is with anything, whether you want to be a writer, whether you want to draw, whether you want to start a podcast, it doesn't matter. Just start it because while there may be a million people who do what you want to do, there is no one else that is going to do it in your voice. No one else is going to have your thoughts and look at things the way that you do. I mean, we have, we have watched, uh, you know, countless movies. I've watched the movie Terminator 
a million times and talked about the time travel implications and you know i've seen the entire series all 75 movies at this point and today i watched something that made me think for the first time ever because it was always if skynet knew they couldn't change the past why would they send someone back you know knowing that it was going to send the terminator back knowing it was going to fail it wasn't that they were sending it back it was a mirror image of kyle reese because kyle reese had to be sent back to father john connor and this terminator needed to be sent back to get crushed in the hydraulic press so that the arm and the computer chip could be used to create skynet so that first that first movie was just each side sending back the progenitor of their side of the resistance and like that's something i never thought of so this guy putting out this youtube video uh, movie timelines came up with an idea because he looked at it differently than i ever did or that as far as i know anyone else has ever looked at it so you know when it comes to this it's your voice your thoughts your ideas they're going to be different from everyone else's like i used to think when I was younger, like I got really discouraged in my writing because I was like, my ideas are ridiculous. This is stupid. No one's ever going to care about this. And then I read The Mangler by Stephen King about a laundry machine that through a series of strange events gains sentience and escapes and kill people. So a haunted laundry machine that kills people. They made th they someone read this idea and was like, you know what? Let's publish this in a book. Then they made a movie about it and then they made a sequel to that movie. So I said, there is nothing that I can think of that is going to be dumber. You know, people nowadays are like, Oh, tornado full of sharks. Yeah, that's fine. That's actually scientifically plausible. A tornado, a water spout can pick up a shark and drop it somewhere else. You know, not to the extent of, you know, what we see in these seven films, but like, to me, it was the mangler. It's like if this thing can get made into a story that spawns a movie, that spawns a sequel, nothing I can come up with is is too far-fetched or too ridiculous. If I could give anybody advice, it would be to just do it. Don't keep putting it off. Just start. Because it's a place to start. And it's a place to improve upon, you know, you'll never know if you have an, a, a knack for something, you'll never know what you can accomplish if you don't just start, have an idea and start it. And you're not in competition with anyone. That Yes, that's true. You know what? Honestly, the only people we are in competition with is, our is our, exactly is ourselves trying to grow, trying to become better podcasters, better entertainers, better, um, you know, public speakers. Yeah, looking like... I've looked back at some of the, the, the short stories I've read and some of, you know, cause there were some ideas that I liked and I would look back at some of the stuff I've written. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I thought this was good. Same thing with some of our podcast episodes. Like I used to take deep copious notes about everything that's going on. Now I just let it go. And the, the, the free form 
uh, type of 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 conversation is so much better for our style. It may not work for everyone. Some people need to have scripted shows. Some people need to have like rigid outlines. For us, like you know, you take your notes. I have like the notes that I need, and you know, usually it's just like a couple of words for talking points because I know, all right, this is what I want to talk about. And I'm just going to go off on it from there. Like you find what works for you as you go along. And again, you're not in competition with any, like, I'm not looking like, oh man, I need to be as good as the critical role guys or as good as the, the last podcast on the left. I'm not in competition with them. I'm only in competition was with how I was last week, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Every time I look back on something, it's like, at the time, I thought this was really good. And then I look at where I am now. I'm better than I was at those things. And that's actually really good. Just life advice in general. Yes. You're in no competition with nobody else except for yourself. Yeah, it goes the same. Like, you know, you're at the gym. It's it's like, well, I can't I can't lift, you know, 200 pounds. It's like, right. But when you started, you couldn't lift 50. And now you can lift 100. Like, you're better than you were. You couldn't do 10 minutes on the elliptical. Now you can do half an hour. You don't need to run a marathon. If that's your goal and you want to work toward it, that's fine. But all you need to know is that if you are better than you were when you started, you're making progress. You don't have to compare yourself to somebody else. Like, oh, I can't run as fast as, you know, Deion Sanders, or I can't lift as much as, you know, The Rock. That's fine. You don't have to. You also don't have the 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 time or the financial uh, uh, security that those guys do. You just need to be better than you were before. That's it. Just make progress. That's all it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, those, those are long. some wise words. Well, those are some words of wisdom from the lovely Patsy. Thank you. See, she says I'm lovely. I tell you, you're lovely too. Not in public. All right, then. Uh, so, is there a defining moment in the entirety of your life that would say mold that you would say molded you into the person that you are today? Yeah. Um, when I was 20 years old, I was about um, a month out of starting my senior year of college. Um, my dad suddenly passed away. It was a sudden heart attack. He was there and then he wasn't. Um, you learn how precious life is uh, very quickly when something like that happens. Um, I went from being a know-it-all. I knew everything. I knew, I mean, you, you couldn't, you couldn't tell me nothing. You couldn't tell me anything uh, to realizing that I knew absolutely nothing. This person who was my rock, I mean, he was one of my biggest supporters, um, kind of like a silent partner, so to speak. He really didn't, he, he was a, he was a man of few words. He didn't say much. He never really told me that he was proud of me or anything like that, but he had ways of doing so. And 
neither one of my parents went to college. So they were dead set on my going to college and graduating and being successful and having a career and just, you know, having the opportunities that they necessarily didn't have, you know, because they didn't, they didn't go to school. Um, and my dad worked so hard, uh, a lot of overtime working Saturdays. And it would be, it was funny because he would come home and he'd be like, this is all your fault. Cause you want to go to college. I'm like, this is all your fault because you're making me go. Um, but it was just kind of like his way of saying, I'm doing this for you because I don't want you to graduate completely you know, drowning in debt. Uh, I still had student loans and that's a topic for another day. But anyways, um, you know, he really worked hard to help get me to that point. And, you know, just sitting there, uh, grief really changes you. Uh, it never goes away. You kind of evolve with it and evolve because of it. Uh, he's been gone for 16 years now, and I miss him like crazy every day. But because of his passing, you know, things really, um, things were really put into perspective for me. Uh, you know, again, like I said, how precious and fleeting life can be but you know how important it is to make decisions and be present in your life um, and be there for the people who you care about and tell people that you love them and you know he's one of the reasons why I do what I do he's one of the reasons why I you know strive to be a successful adult you know I strive to be there for both my mom and my sister. Um, you know, I, I try to live each day in his memory because he's not here to do so. So I, I did a lot of growing up in a very short time um, because of his passing and things that were a, a result of his, his passing. And um, I'm still learning. Yeah, and I think for me, <clears throat> it wasn't really uh, one specific one specific moment. Um, I think a lot of it was um, actually because of Ashes, uh, allowing me to be who I am and allowing me to kind of find myself because, you know, for most of my life, I had a lot of people trying to tell me, what I should do or what I, what I liked was wrong or what I wanted to do wasn't good enough or, you know, I didn't have as much positive reinforcement as I might've liked. And I got a lot of negative reinforcement um, or a lot of negativity from a lot of different people. Um, so there was a, a lot of me trying to, figure out where I fit in, what, uh, what my role could be, you know, not just like in my family, but like with my circle of friends. Uh, I mean, the circle of friends I had when I was, you know, 28, when I first met ashes is not the same circle of friends that I have now, you know, 14 years later. 
the person I was back then. Like there is a lot of who I was still, you know, you know, part of me, you know, I was always an obnoxious kid that, you know, had no filter between his brain and his, you know, his mouth, like very impulsive, hyperactive, uh, very strong ADHD. But, you know, I never, I never knew where I fit in or how I could take whatever talent or skill that I have and actually use it in a productive manner because, you know, a lot of the time that was like my creativity was stifled wherever I happened to, to be because, you know, it just wasn't appropriate for the workplace or the, you know, the school or the, the nothing that I, it was difficult to find who I was because nobody really allowed me to explore that uh, until I met Ash. Uh, there was, you know, a time at the beginning of our relationship where, you know, we struggled because we didn't really know each other and things moved very quickly for us. Like we moved in together, you know, just a few months after we met, you know, we were already engaged at that point. Uh, we knew we wanted to spend the rest of our lives with each other. Um, but getting to a point where we could spend the rest of our lives with each other and have that be a long time uh, before we, you know, strangled each other in our sleep. Um, you know, that took some, some doing that took some getting used to, uh, like we mentioned earlier, there was a, a lot of work that needed to be done uh, on a, on ourselves and allowing each other to kind of grow and evolve and supporting the changes that each of us were going through. Like, I think in the time that we've been together, I've had what, six jobs. I've been unemployed twice. Um, you know, so it's, it's been a, a struggle. It's been a challenge, but you know, now I feel like I'm in a really good place in my life where the parts of me that you know, I think are most important, you know, my creativity, my, my desire to uh, just share, you know, what I perceive as my talents with the world, I'm actually getting the opportunity to do that. And I wouldn't be, have been able to do that without uh, Ash's constant support and, you know, her belief in me. So, you know, as a long winded way of saying, you know, it's not one thing it's a it's a series of things well those are both wonderful and inspiring stories i appreciate that you're and i'm glad that you you are free to be yourself and the awesome you know kick-ass duo that you are <laughs> so do you have any other uh questions for us uh well in this era of reboots and remakes as a fan what movie or series would you each want to remake or star in and why 
Oh, I, wow. I already, I already know. Okay, well, you, you go, go first. first. I, I, need, I, I need a minute. I have always been of the opinion that um, if you were going to remake or reboot something or take a spinoff of something, you have to be a fan of that thing first. You have to be passionate about it. Kind of like what we're seeing with the success of The Mandalorian, where Dave Filoni and John Favreau are such huge fans of uh, the Star Wars franchise. You know, they grew up with it. And they're not just fans, they're also very creative when it comes to their stories and the way they... Um, the way they are able to kind of weave their their tales while also paying homage to the things that they love the most um, and making it cool again. For me, if you were to look around my room uh, that we're in right now, the thing that you would see the most of is Jaws. So if I were to remake anything, I would remake Jaws. And I would do it with all practical effects. If I were to cast someone, I I could cast myself as either Hooper or Brody. Although I think that if I were to remake it, I would have like a grizzled old man, like Kurt Russell or Christoph Waltz or Tommy Lee Jones Billy Bob Thornton, one of those types, play Quint. And then Hooper would be played by a young woman. Because I think that dynamic of like, I'm an old grizzled fisherman. I've been doing this forever, you know, um, would be so much better. Because not just like this young punk kid from a rich you know, upper class background like Hooper is, Matt Hooper is in the story, but make that a woman who comes in like, I know all this stuff. Like, I could see that clash go back and I could see like a, a Jessica Chastain or maybe somebody even younger like a, a Chloe Moritz, um, one of the uh, Fanning kids, whichever one's the younger one, North Dakota or South Dakota, I forget which which their names are. Um, and then, you know, I don't think Brody needs to be, you know, this, you know, handsome, you know, fit, you know, Adonis type. I would have Jack Black play the mayor. Uh, that would be my other thing. But because I love the source material so much, I've read all of the books I've seen all the movies a million times. I understand what Spielberg was going through. Like I, I won an award for interviewing Jeffrey Voorhees, who played Alex Kittner, like the young kid who got eaten uh, by the shark. Be and because I know all this like backstory and like I'm from Massachusetts, where and I I have once. I have been on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, my mom went there when she was pregnant with me. So I have been there. Um, I think it would be, uh, I could really do it justice. Like it wouldn't just be a cheap cash grab 
or like a nostalgia fueled romp through like I just saw a commercial today for a new Power Rangers series that's going to be airing on Netflix, you know, or these sequels that come out 20, 30 years later, you know, like Terminator Dark Fate or Halloween, you know, stuff that's coming out. It's like, oh, yeah, we're doing a sequel to the second movie in the series that came out 30, 40 years ago. It's like, "Eh, okay, but there's been like a dozen sequels between the two of those franchises but i think i could really give it the the love and the care that it deserves i love horror films absolutely love horror films uh one of the complaints issues that i have with horror films is that the killer the bad guy, the person that everyone's afraid of and running from is always a man. And I love when the script is flipped. And I think that if I could reboot anything, remake anything, um, just go on this journey with me for a moment. Um, I know this is kind of sacred territory because the portrayals of this character have been so good. Um, Silence of the Lambs. Okay. With a Hannibal Lecter played by Kate Blanchett. Tell me you cannot see that. Of course I could. Right? How good would that be? Who would be uh, Clarence Starling? Um, uh, someone, maybe like a, uh, uh, why can I not think of his name? Spider-Man. Tony McGuire. No, Tom. Andrew Garfield. No, Tom. Tom Hanks. (laughs) Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Thank you. Holland. Oh my goodness. I'm completely drunk. Maybe like somebody, um, young and kind of unassuming looking because, you know, Clarice Starling was kind of that, you know, Jodie Foster, her character, she's young. She's trying to make a name for herself. She's a you know, rube, working a on this case, you know, so, I mean, I would love, and one of the things that I loved in the television show was Freddie Lowndes was played by a woman. And Freddie and Lowndes. Character, it, it's usually a man. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Stephen Lang, actually, in the two uh, adaptations that they did of uh, in Manhunter with Stephen Lang, who you might know as the bad guy from uh, uh, Avatar or the main character from Don't Breathe. uh, And Philip Seymour Hoffman in uh, Red Dragon. Now, the only the only issue I would have with is there is a lot of. there's a lot of background uh, character wise with Clarice about how, you know, a lot of times they would try to discredit her by like, you know, insinuating that. uh, But I mean, but who's to say, I mean, Clarice could still be played or, or by a non-binary character. You know, I mean, that. I, I, but what I would love is to see, because when we think of cannibalistic characters, we always just, I mean, our minds go to a, a male character. 
That's just what we think of. Uh, there's something so carnal about it. Literally. You know, so I just think it would be fantastic Lots to carnage. remake it where the role of Hannibal is played by a female lead and kind of flip the script a little bit. You know, kind of get you thinking of things a little differently. Well, I was just thinking another one who could be really good is kind of what they did in uh, the series of uh, have Gillian Anderson as. But yeah, Kate Blanchett's probably the best choice. I mean, there's just something. Tilda Swinton. I mean, you know, or Tilda. I mean, Tilda I love Swinton them both. could be Batman. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I would, I would love to do something along those lines where you know uh, a woman is the methodical uh calculating killer genius you know um who does all the work and gets all the credit you know i, I would love to see that i could see that yeah that's when i would i would also like to reboot because i I've forgotten more about the Silence of the Lambs series than most people will, will ever know. What else you got for us? Well, then. Experience a paranormal or unexplainable event. So stuff that we've experienced that was paranormal. So when I was four years old um there was a noise outside of uh, my my room uh it was someone calling my name and my my bedroom was on the second floor so it was very odd that there would be someone directly outside of my window now i had no idea what it was and i i can still hear it to this day i can hear that voice i know exactly how it sounds uh and it's kind of like if a goat was calling my name it, which is the closest i can approximate it uh because i can't Patrick. I can't. it was kind of like that but higher pitched it really was it had like that reverberating Patrick. that like reverberating um you've been a bad bad oh boy <laughs> it had that like <laughs> that reverb effect to it but it didn't uh it wasn't necessarily um what's the word it wasn't necessarily malevolent um it was just it terrified me so i uh I ended up uh, going out into the living room, asking my mother if she called me, and she said no. And then I asked uh, my dad if he called me, and he said no. Um, so I have no idea who it was, but I am of the opinion that uh, it may have been some sort of extraterrestrial encounter because uh, years later, and a lot of uh, folks who go through regression therapy and whatnot deal with the same type of thing, so when I was seven, I was watching a movie with my dad called UFOs Are Real, because I was still am uh, huge into the paranormal, you know, ghosts and 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 uh, cryptids, 
you know, aliens, all that stuff. I love it. Um, I think it's fascinating. Um, and there was this part in the, in the film, it was almost like a jump scare where a gray alien pops up on the screen and it terrified me more than I have ever been scared in my life. I felt like an electric current was running through my entire body. I almost felt like I was watching myself fall off the couch and crawl on my hands and knees out of the room. I didn't know where I would just, I had to get away from this thing because I was so terrified of it. So I would imagine I've never done this, but I bet if I went through some sort of hypno regression therapy, I may find that I had some sort of extraterrestrial close encounter. You were probed. I'm hoping not, but uh, <laughs> entirely possible. Um, so um, I see dead people. Um, that's supposed to be a joke. It might be good. <laughs> that's way before your time. Uh, but I do have some type of psychic ability um i my energy kind of vibrates a bit with the paranormal um i can sense spirits um sometimes i can and it, it's not it's not honed in any way i've i've thought about looking into that trying to kind of learn about you know mediumship and um you know I, I don't necessarily hear people talking to me like some mediums would describe um when they communicate between us and the the spirit world um but there are times when uh talking to somebody about somebody who has passed and like something will like like something will just pop in my head you know and it's like they said to say this and it's weird and it's because it's really abrupt and it's not like you know it's something that i really had time to think about like it's happened um you know with my mom and my sister you know they'll be talking about my dad and i'll be like he says this you know and, and it's not like it's something i could have made up because it's such a the reaction is so quick you know um the same things happened in the car with you mm -hmm. talking about your dad. Um, it's happened to other people talking about their loved ones who have passed something will just kind of like an image or like words will just quickly flash, you know, in my, in my brain. It's like the first thing that just kind of like floods my head. And I'm just like this, you know, and they're like, Oh my God, how did you know that? And I'm like, it's just, it just came to me um and i've also i've seen people in passing um i've seen loved ones in passing i've seen uh other types of of visions that are kind of difficult to explain without being sent to a psych ward <laughs> she's crazy um but yeah i i do have some um experience dealing with kind of uh paranormal 
activity, but in a in a really positive way, which is nice because I know other people have dealt with it in a not so positive way. So it's been, you know, it, it's it's a it's a nice thing versus a malicious thing. Well, that, well, those are some very interesting sto stories. <clears throat> <laughs> I think we have gotten through all of my questions. All right. Did you have any anything else that you wanted to add that you know might not be in your uh, in your your notes or? Well, Ashes, uh, you work in STEM. What's it like? What is the experience you've gone through? Um, it's been really interesting. So I'll kind of give you the Spark Notes version of it. Um, I graduated with my degree in biology and biotechnology with a concentration in genetics, evolution, and bioethics. Um, I got my first job in the field about six months after graduation. Uh, my initial trajectory was um, I was going to hopefully find a, a job to pay for me to go get my master's. Um, the reason why I chose a science track was because I actually wanted to be a forensic pathologist. Uh, I wanted to be the person who pretty much a uh, forensic medical examiner going through and looking at the bodies and trying to, you know, decipher what exactly happened. Um, but for that, you need a lot of schooling. And unfortunately, uh, that just wasn't going to work out for me. So I decided I would try uh, just going into the field and seeing what was out there. My first job was in a peptide synthesis lab, which I had zero idea really as to what to expect, what they did. Um, that was the first place that I worked at. I was there for a little over a year. I've been with my current company uh, since 2009, so for... 14 years at this point. Um, again, peptide synthesis, I've worked my way up. I'm now the lab manager of the peptide synthesis lab. Peptide um, queen. I, yeah, I, I prefer peptide queen. Thank you very much. Um, but I have learned so much. There are certain things that you learn in school. They give you, um, you learn a really good set of skills. But then applying those skills, completely different. And being a woman in STEM. So when I graduated from college, this was back in 2007, my graduating class of biology majors had uh, maybe 10 women. And only three or four of us were actually looking to go out into the field after the other biology majors were looking to go into education, which, you know, is very important. But, you know, so only four women were looking to actually go into the work world of STEM. Um, since then, uh, I have seen 
an increase in women interested in STEM, um, getting degrees in STEM. I love it when young girls come to, you know, apply, you know, for their, they come for an interview at my place of employment, you know, um, just because there's an interest, you know what I mean? Like, I love it when young girls are interested in STEM because it's not something that, you know, when I was younger, that girls were really interested in. It wasn't something that was really advertised as a, you could do this. It's like, well, if you like science, become a science teacher or become a nurse. And it's like, there are so many more things out there for, you know, young women, non-binary persons to, you know, do in the world of, of STEM. Um, it's really changed a lot since I started and the pandemic has changed the world of science too. Um, I had the opportunity to be just kind of a small link in this big biotech chain of research that is happening in regards to COVID and all of these other uh, diseases, uh, the different variations of COVID, all of these mutations and whatnot. So it's been really interesting to kind of see science in action in real time. And it's also been interesting to see people's reaction to science in action in real time. Um, you know, a lot of people don't have an understanding of why things happen the way that they do. And the processes that take place, um, a lot of people just don't believe in science anymore either, uh, which is another issue, um, which can be rather discouraging at times. But it's very, I, I have this deep love for science. I always have. I love the experimental part of it. I love seeing a problem and trying to think of ways to solve it. Um, where I work, I have the ability to do that. I'm problem solving on a daily basis, you know, uh, trying to figure out different ways to approach certain issues. Um, I've also developed a uh, love for engineering, which I never thought I, I, I would. Um, I work on multiple machines that make the peptides that the company you know produces and i run those machines i maintain those machines i have developed the ability to rip those machines apart repair them put them back together make them better clean them do all of this stuff which i never in a bajillion years thought i, I ever would do you know i thought if anything i would be in some lab doing genetic research you know, sitting in a comfy chair, um, doing Western blots or something like that, you know? Uh, so the fact that I'm doing something completely different than I ever thought that I would be doing, but at the same time, have it be so rewarding and be able to see the peptides that I make go towards different research and seeing that research being published and you know seeing other research expanded on that research it's just i can't explain how proud i am to be such a small part 
of this biotech chain of change that's happening you know right now and that that's continued to happen i mean we've seen that um with uh a few years ago it was ebola and malaria um different parts of the influenza virus uh when we first started dating she was making the ebola virus um so it's just uh it's very it's very rewarding um however <laughs> good luck trying to explain to people what you do because no gonna... my my mother still doesn't know what i do um she's just like oh you just you do the science stuff i'm like yep mom i just do the science stuff Erlenmeyer flasks and centrifuges <laughs> Well, that was incredibly amazing. It's amazing what you're able to do. I wish I could give a little more in-depth. I wish I could go a little more in-depth with my answer. Um, I sign ADAs and stuff, so I mean, I can't tell you all the stuff that I would love to tell you. NDAs? Um, NDAs, yeah. This is the ADA? Oh, my God. It are, you, is, are you searching for a new toothbrush? I am searching for a new toothbrush. Is it something that three out of five dentists recommend? Um, four out of five. <laughs> oh, four out of five, even better. Uh, but but yeah, it's um if if I can if anybody is interested in going into any part of STEM, I say go for it because you are needed. You are so needed. Um, and the world of STEM is ever-changing, ever-evolving. so much. To, and ever doing so such do. good work. I mean, so a lot of times people like to focus on like, well, why are they wasting their time doing that? Why are they? It's like, you know, that's just that's just small potatoes in comparison to... You can send a man know, to the moon, but you can't make my shoes smell good. You know, it's just, you know, a, a lot of a lot of good stuff is happening. And if you want to be a part of that good stuff, you know, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, well, thank you for that lovely information. You're very welcome. So I've run out of questions to ask, unless you just want me to you know, ask smaller, like more random questions. Well, I think we've we've blown way past your thirty to forty minute uh, threshold because uh, we're at like yeah. ninety three minutes at this point. So what? we should probably do is uh it's also late you, yeah say, so, so we probably let you go seeing as it's a school night so i'm gonna i'm gonna end this recording <laughs> um i just need you to hang on for a minute after we finish um and uh to make sure that we get all of your audio in and then uh you and i can wrap up the episode mm -hmm. so uh Laurelyn, thank you so much for for doing this. It's very, I think this is the first time we've been interviewed. Um, usually, we're the ones asking all the questions. It's like it's really cool to be uh, on this uh, on this side of it, and, and we really appreciate. Thank you. you for asking such interesting questions too. Some of these are I, I would never have even thought about. And thank you for considering us 
to be a major part of uh, whether or not you pass this class. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the way that you put your faith in us, and I hope that uh, your teacher gives you a good grade. I was going to say, if your teacher is listening to this right now, please give Laurelyn an A. She's a hard worker and absolutely deserves it, 100%. Yeah, and uh, uh, she's made of candy, and um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> give her a good grade. <laughs> No, just listing all of all of Laurelyn's amazing attributes. She's made of candy. <laughs> she likes to pet puppies. She can. Uh, she knows pi to at least four digits. So uh, I don't know if that's a record or anything. I mean, maybe. But we'll uh, we thank you so much again. Uh, we'll let you go. Like I said, just hang on for a minute after we end the recording, so you can. Uh, we can get all of the uh, all of your audio synced up and everything's good. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to let Laurelyn go, and then uh, we'll be back with the end of the show. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? <laughs> Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. And we are back. Uh, again, thank you to Laurelyn, uh, and thank you to Colleen for uh, lending us 25% uh, of your children to uh, <laughs> get this episode done. Uh, I know we had said that we were going to be doing Cocaine Bear this week. Uh, we're going to push that to next week because this was uh, too good an opportunity to pass up, and uh, there was also a deadline. Like, she, this had to be done by uh, April 4th. So... We uh, wanted to make sure we were able to help out uh, Laurelyn, and uh, just in case anything happened with the recording, not that that would ever happen, but just in case, uh, we can upload this as the podcast, and that way we can always just share the audio with her uh, one way or another. So, uh, Ashes, I thought a lot of your answers were very insightful and well thought out, uh, even though they were, like, you know, on the spot. I think you did a... a, a, a commendable job uh with the questions that uh laurelyn asked ditto 
Hey. Hey. Do finger guns. <laughs> no, like she did. Uh, she asked some really, really good questions. Yeah, you could. She was very, very prepared. Um, it was funny because uh, Colleen had reached out about this uh, a week or so ago, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it tonight." And she was like, "Yeah, all right." And then I was like, oh, "We're not going to get a chance to do it." And she was like, "Oh, that's good because that'll give Laurelyn some more time to prepare, and that'll help her out." Um, she did seem a little nervous at first, but I thought that she uh, she went really well. I think she was very well organized, had all of her uh, uh, ducks in a row, crossed her lower crossed her H's and dotted her lowercase J's. So I think, uh, you know, for her first, uh, I am assuming this is her first podcast appearance. I think she did very well, and for you know for us, like this was cool. Like this was the first time someone interviewed us. You know, like I've I've done a couple of shows where people, you know, talk to me about my book, but this was the first time where we've been interviewed. So, you know, when we're famous in a few years, uh, we'll have her back and, you know, we could be like, you were the first one to ever interview us. It honestly feels a little weird being on the opposite end of the interview process i mean i at one point wanted to start asking her questions be like so how do you feel about this um yeah and i i felt (laughs) it's weird like i know this is what we're known for but i i felt kind of weird going off on a couple of tangents uh you know where it's like this you know she's not recording a podcast for her for her project but it's like that's what we're doing that's what we're used to doing this is how we answer questions so it was a little different, but I do hope she gets a very good grade because uh, she did an excellent job. Also, I I didn't realize how uh, nerve wracking it can be being put on the spot like that. Asked, you know, having to come up with an answer at a moment's notice for this is a question, answer it. Especially for some of the, like the deep like emotional and philosophical questions that she yeah, asked us. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like to talk about myself in that capacity i don't usually do that no neither one of us do like that's not like i'm not used to like receiving like any like it's weird when people compliment me like it throws me off because i'm not used to that like it's it's a weird it's hey, I weird... like your book. Thanks, you too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I wrote it. Yeah, like, I like your book too. I didn't write a book. Okay, I'll just go sleep in a ditch now. Um, but no, it was it was a very interesting experience. Uh, speaking of interesting experience, over the weekend, uh, we, we did something wild and super fun. We came home with... 32 bottles of wine. And what's funny is... We, now we only have 30. We we started uh, on Saturday, like we were being very conservative. Like the first place we went to, we got two bottles of wine. We're like, all right, we have to pace ourselves. So we got two bottles of wine, one each. Then we went to the next place and we got five bottles of wine. So we had seven total. Um, three of them were the same the same uh varietal is that, is that the word i'm looking well, it's, for it's it's the same wine it's the same well i didn't want it to be like the same flavor of wine no, like, we got th- we got three of the same we got the three rosés right we got three of one kind and then like we got 
two others. We got a blueberry and a... Nope, that was a different place. No, no, we got we got a blueberry from Flag Hill. Did we no, not? I know we did we got not. The... No, we got the, um, I believe we got the sparkling and the flat Cayuga. We didn't get the... Oh, we were looking at like the cherry and everything. See, after a while, everything kind of blended together. Like I knew we got... We ended up getting a baker's dozen at this one uh, vineyard, Sweet Baby, uh, because... When and they're called in, that because when you taste the wine, you're like, whoa, sweet baby. Sweet baby This Jeebus. is good wine. That's sweet, um, baby. Uh, no, uh, we when we got there, we checked in. They're like, here you go. Here's a coupon for 25% off a case. Which is a crazy discount. Which was almost $60. Like, it's almost like you're getting two, three, potentially four bottles of wine Full free? Yeah, depending on which specific uh, type of wine you got. Um, so we weren't, uh, or we didn't originally think that we were going going to purchase a case there, uh, but they did a really good job of buttering us up. But yeah, I will say, proportionally, the more samples we got, the more wine we bought. So at the first place, they gave us uh, four. Basically, everybody was like, here are these four things. So three out of the four places were, here's four. Uh, try these four things. In the first place, uh, Squamscott gave us four. And then they're like, oh, well, also, you know, we were talking about one of them. And they're like, here, you know, try this one. And they let us split a sample. Then at the next place, there were two different types of wine and then two different types of liquor, including a 17-year-old 141-proof uh, whiskey. I'm pretty sure that uh, burned a hole in my stomach. Like, <laughs> it was but it in, was so smooth. It was smooth. It was smooth to the taste, and you really didn't feel any type you of got burning warmed until up afterwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we went upstairs and we're like, oh, we'd like to try these and these. And like, well, you know, you guys just tried a bunch downstairs, so we can't give you four. Like, no, no, we just want two each and we'll share. And they're like, yeah, all right. So we tried eight at the second place and bought five bottles of wine. Then we went to Sweet Baby on Sunday. Sweet Baby was our first our first stop. And they had seven in their tasting area and then we tried i tried four more up at the main area because we're like well we want to try it before we buy it and they're like yeah here you go here you go here you go oh and try this oh and try this oh and try this i tried 11 total there you tried 12 yes because you got one extra one um because that was more your wheelhouse than mine and we ended up buying a bottle of everything we tried uh with the exception of one thing because they weren't bottling it um, the the hopped apple cider. Mm. Um, then we went to our old standby Zorvino, uh, which we've been to many times. We've talked about dozens of times on the show, uh, and we bought a case there. But here's the thing: we already knew we were going we were to purchase buy... a case of wine at yes. Zorvino. We were going to Zorvino. We, we were going to be there anyways. Buying a case anywhere. Might else. as well. Um, now. The pours were so the the pours at Sweet Baby were very generous. Yes, the they were. pours at Zorvino were very generous. We had to get food before we drove home. <laughs> yes, yes, we got food on the way home. Um, 
Yeah. And at Zorvino, the four wines that they were showcasing in the barrel tasting directly from the barrel were four different reds. Uh, of various alcohol contents that were all above 15%. So, uh, yeah, it was something. Now, what I learned, though, is that the alcohol content is really high initially because of all the sugars and stuff that are in there. Um, learning about the aging process you know they uh the reds that we tried at zorvino they had been aging for 13 over, 14 yeah months. um and they still had a ways to go they well, wouldn't a couple be, of them were going to be later this year and a couple were, were next like year another 14 months yeah yeah so they were waiting for the alcohol content to drop a few more points before they would even consider bottling it so um you know, the, they, we tried a Zinfandel that was currently at a 17, and it wouldn't be bottled until it was at like a 15 or a 14, which obviously it, it, it takes some time for it to get to that level. So, right. um, yeah, I learned so much, so much this past weekend. I was in my glory. I loved the opportunity to talk to all these different winemakers. Um, I cannot wait to share all of this new knowledge with you. I'm currently in the process of going through pictures and getting things ready to upload and stuff like that. So I'm sure you'll be seeing stuff from my adventures very soon. Uh, but I mean, it was it was definitely a whirlwind weekend too because it was just like, go here, wine, go here, wine, yeah, we, we go here, more in, wine. We had to stop into the lab because you needed to get some some stuff done. Then from there, we shot up to Squamscott and it was snowing. Uh, and then we went from Squamscott to uh, Flag Hill. And then we went from Flag Hill to our hotel checked in kind of got changed and got comfy and then we went right out to dinner to uh backyard yes a place in manchester new hampshire called backyard brewery um which was right like you could see it from the hotel um really good food really good food obviously uh we are not beer people so we didn't partake of any of the libations uh, that they brew there but we did have a couple of really good drinks you had a butterscotch white White russian Russian that uh was just i mean it was so good that was really good yeah, I liked um, it a lot. And I had a winter spice sangria that just, it was exactly what I wanted in that moment. Um, so yeah, and the food that we had was just so good. But yeah, overall, fantastic weekend. 10 out of 10. Cannot recommend it enough. But yeah, I cannot wait to share everything. I'm kind of compiling everything and going through. So I have like wine segments for the next six months laid out already. Yeah, we're not we're not going to do one thing. No, 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 no. Um, but, you know, things that I've learned, things, you know, how to properly preserve We still have wines we haven't tried. We have a Zorvino... Like we we've talked about the peanut butter and jelly. We also we so obviously we grabbed one of those, but they have a peanut butter chocolate that I am so excited to try. Um, and we got our usual standbys, but like there's a lot of stuff that we only had little sips of. Like we got three different blueberry wines from Sweet Baby. Oh yeah, one is just a straight up 
semi-sweet blueberry one is a blueberry aged in bourbon barrels and one is a dry sparkling blueberry i cannot wait to try all of them yeah and it was uh if you want to know what heaven looks like for ashes it's my kitchen right now yeah i had to make three trips wine as far as the eye can see yeah we Oh, so much wine. Oh, it's so good. And our room had a like a jacuzzi tub. The jacuzzi jets didn't work, but Ash is uh, compensated by putting uh, 600 gallons of bubble bath uh, to the point where I slid all over the tub. It was wild. But uh, we drank a bottle after we got out of the tub because we were going to get a bottle, and I we just didn't. Um, and then we drank another one when we got home because we got sushi. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that I would like to crack open a bottle once we're once we're done uh, recording. I don't care what it is. I just want to drink some wine now. So next week we will be discussing Cocaine Bear. Yes. And the following week, because we plan on going to the movies and it'll give you folks some time to go and see it as well, we're going to talk about uh, John Wick again. Yeah, so I know we've discussed this character before. Something but wicked I this way comes. that was only after two films. Yes, it was in prior anticipation. to the third. Right. So, I mean, we have so much more to discuss. And we'll be talking about the fourth film. So, you know, spoiler alert already for two weeks from now. So, you've been warned. Uh, and a lot of really good stuff coming up, too. We're working on our The Last of Us episode. Yep. Uh, and we have some other fun stuff in the works. So, stay tuned, kids. And, and you just may be hearing our voices elsewhere. That's true. But more about that in the future. So, I think with that being said... We We will will see you next Thursday. Thursday.